thank you for joining us on Don't Filter Feelings. I'm Lauren Layfield, and on this podcast, we have conversations about the issues that matter with people who have stories to share. This episode is all about drag, and I'm on the set of Hollyoaks with the amazing Cheddar Gorgeous and Imran Adams. What I think is really amazing about drag and the special thing that it does, if I can go out there and people can maybe not know whether I'm a man or a woman or maybe not really understand what I'm doing, but still celebrate me, still maybe go, oh, that's fun, that's cool, that's amazing, how wonderful, oh, how interesting, it's making me think. If I can do that, maybe it makes it okay for somebody who's just trying to walk to the shops, who feels a little bit different. Cheddar Gorgeous, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. That is a pleasure. You look incredible. And this is a medium of audio uh, on a podcast. AKA, we can't see what you're wearing. So for anyone who is wondering, what, what are you looking like? What's your look? Um, well, basically I've come as an exploded window box. <laughs> Because that's how I felt this morning. I thought we're not filtering our feelings, so I'm literally just going to let it all come to the surface. It's amazing. It's a floral concoction. We've got this lovely. <laughs> what is this? That's, that's that's. No, this a, is like a cape thing. No, that's it's called a jacket. A jacket. <laughs> yes. Uh, in, the, a blazer, in the business, they call almost. it a jacket. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's and what they do. Are? I know you're very casual wear. Very casual. Look very today. casual. Been wear. too much casual today. <laughs> hey, put a jacket hairband on to try and impress you. You look lovely. Imran? I love it. Thank you. I love it. I think it's a lovely flare of colour. It's not as good as your headgear, though. Thank you. Describe it for us. Uh, flowers. Flowers upon flowers. Flowers upon flowers upon. Basically, I had a, I have a big box of rubbish mm. that I keep in our drag lab, which is where I make all the costumes. And when I'm stuck for an idea, I'll literally go into it. And I had this bag of flowers that I haven't used in other costumes. So oh, I'll nice. go and I'll buy yellow flowers and then I'll buy blue flowers for different things. And these are all the leftover bits of flowers that I had. A lot like my emotions. And you've put, the, you've put effort into it, <laughs> even though it is a podcast, you have put effort into this look today. Concept. You've always got to have a concept, <laughs> haven't you? I love it. So um, first of all, first question we ask everybody who comes on the podcast is how are you actually feeling today? Um, I'm a little nervous, actually, oh. being on the set with you two guys and Why? being here in this lovely location. I mean, it's a little serious. I mean, you don't have to worry about <laughs> me. It's you. okay. Like, I think nerves are sometimes quite good, aren't they? Because they kind of gear you up and throw you into a good zone to be able yeah, to do something. I agree. Imran, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling pumped. I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I noticed you've not made quite as much effort. I thought underdressed, you know, I did try. It took me an hour to <laughs> pick this shirt and jeans and trainers, so... <laughs> I think we complement each other. I do. I, do you know, I don't get dressing up on a day-to-day basis. I don't understand that. Like, so for me... What's your normal day-to-day then? Oh, my God. I wear, like, a hoodie and a vest. I make no effort whatsoever. I can't imagine that at all. Well, that, that... For me, I put it all here. I think dressing up and creating this level of spectacle is something you should only really do for, like, big special occasions. Oh, so like the There you go. Because oh, you're special. Oh, thank you. But then um, the rest of my day-to-day life, I think it's just really important to just be relaxed and feel comfortable. I feel. I honestly feel like I couldn't imagine you just like slumming it down the shops now. Oh my though. God, you wait. Just you wait and see after the podcast. And this will be off me head. <laughs> Seriously, the jacket will be on the floor. Like oh. Um, right. Let's talk about the TV show you did recently. Oh yes, Drag SOS. Yes. Tell me all about it. Well, we travelled all around the UK visiting small towns, helping groups of people to find their inner fabulous, and it was really about discovering the centre of community that's at drag and how drag is 
is something that can both maybe reveal something about people that you haven't seen, but also bring people together as well. Oh, I love it. And this is obviously drag culture now is taking over. Yeah, so it was everywhere. so wicked that Channel 4 did this show. Um, can you take us right back to when you first got into drag? Where did it all start for you? I always think that the first time I was in drag was actually when I was a waiter. And that sounds really weird. And because I used to like wear nice little cravats and like do my hair, get and my that, hair how old are you at this point then? Like, oh God, 19, 18, 19. Yeah. And I think because when you're a waiter, you get to kind of be a little bit provocative with people. You get to tell <laughs> jokes. You get to entertain because you have to to get the tips. Don't you? you have to get those tips. It's an entertainment industry. Yeah. Yourself. You, do. you, you have, have to work for that money. And you're part of people's nights in a really, really exciting way. If you do your job like well and you enjoy your job as a waiter, you find that actually it's quite fun and you get to be this kind of elaborate version of yourself, which is ultimately, I think, what drag's about. I just wasn't done there. I took it to the next level. And oh, then I love it. Next... So when was the next level? When, when did you go from waiter to full-blown flowers on your head? I was working as a club photographer. Oh. And they uh, they lost a drag queen. These things happen sometimes. <laughs> a very treacherous profession, you know, heels, especially in Manchester near canals. I mean, it's a, a terrible thing. Yeah. But they lost one of their drag queens. It actually wasn't a tragic event. She's she's fine. But um, and they they knew that I liked to dress up for Halloween. I've dressed up probably since I was about sixteen, seventeen for Halloween. I was a very shy child, and then kind of exploded out whenever a fancy dress opportunity. Did you, are you one of those that went gung ho at Halloween? Oh my god, I did what not characters? stop. I used to do I used to do the great god pan. It was cerebral even then. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh it, it's not quite sexy witch. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we've got for an old <laughs> bin bag, haven't we? No, no. I used but I always those are the characters who inspired me. I used to like to do aliens and monsters and gods because I was a geek and I I watched that on television. Oh, I, love I loved Star Trek, I loved Hercules, I loved all of those kind of classic TV shows and movies that were all monsters and creatures so I used to do that for Halloween and then they just noticed that I did that yeah. for free every time and they thought I know we'll get her to continue doing the photography and get her to dress up as well oh two birds one stone I watched RuPaul's Drag Race <gasps> so I know the ma- RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> oh, oh it's, a little, it's a little show little show yeah happening. you know yeah, 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 you yeah, might yeah, have yeah, heard yeah. of it here and there but the fact you have to lip sync and dance and do your own costumes yeah. and act it's like it makes our job look so easy <laughs> do you know the, the big thing and I think a lot of the time people try and talk about drag as being about the costume or the look or the type of performance people do I think the real art of drag is in the relationships you form mm-hmm. because unlike being an actor or being a stage performer or being a visual artist you live your art you go out you make relationships with people and those relationships last for a very very long time mm-hmm. and now even more so through social media you're connected to a community of people in a really really exciting way So I think that for me is what's at the the centre of drag. It's this kind of network of relationships that we're building. Such as in in Drag SOS. That's what the show is is inherently about. A lot of people will see it on the surface about, oh, you know, it's just like getting some people to stick a frock on. It's so much more. It's about how you make people feel and going, like you say, these smaller communities that might not know very much about it. But introducing them to it. It can be about 
just putting on a frock and having a good time. Mm. And I think one of the really, really important things to remember is that we, we do this kind of big spectacular beauty thing, but we don't take it too seriously, yeah. right? And in many ways, that's a really exciting thing because it teaches us that actually all that beauty stuff, all that, that effort that so many, both men and, but mostly women do in their day-to-day lives, it is all a bit silly, really. It's, oh, it's insane. Yeah. It's you saw daft. me faffing with my hair it's before silly. we started. Oh, What's yeah. What's doing? Yeah, well, no, it looks lovely. Thank you. It looks <laughs> Thank lovely. Thank you. And it's more silly how serious people take it, their drag. Because I, I see you in this amazing, you know, ensemble. <laughs> and I don't see any difference how anybody else dresses. Like, I think RuPaul had an amazing quote in his one of his songs saying, we're all born naked and the yeah. rest is drag. Rest yeah. Meaning for me, I took that as yeah. whatever you do after the shower, whether you put on a dress or a suit or whatever, that's Absolutely. your drag. That's your identity. And if you choose to take it seriously, that's the silly part. Don't right. take life too seriously. But- we're all telling stories, aren't we, all the time? Mm. In, how we, in how you put your headband on, in the shirt that you chose today, mm. in the way a businessman presents himself in the office, we're all trying to tell a story. Yeah. It's just that drag queens, we do it on a bit of a higher up level, yeah. right? <laughs> we take things a little bit more extreme. Yeah. We, don't just, we don't just want to tell you the story. We want to shout the story at you and let you see this thing we want you to see. <laughs> uh, I always describe it as taking that thing that I think people don't see about me and making it the only thing that they can see. I love that. I love that now, too. Now, we've mentioned a couple of times RuPaul's Drag Race already. Oh, yes. So let's get into it. Love it. Are you a fan? Are you on board? How many, how long have you been doing drag now? Oh, about 368 um, wow, years, something not long like then. that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just a drag baby, really. <laughs> no, I just am. No, I, th- I think you cannot ignore both the cultural sensation that, mm. that is RuPaul, both the influence it's had on the drag scene, but also the influence it's having on mainstream culture. Because it's, it's incredible how it has exploded. Yeah. I, I was talking earlier, we knew you were coming in, and I was talking about my other half, and he would not be the typical person that might sit down in front of what is a makeover kind of-esque mm. show, you know, and a performancey type show. And one episode, hooked, done. That's all he needed. And we've watched every single series since. It, it, it captured the imaginations of people who are not within the drag culture scene, who are not in the gay scene. Everybody just seems to love it. Why do you think it's so successful? Well, what I love about drag queens in general is that we occupy this space where we can be fun and entertaining to all people, yet also we really make our strangeness and our difference overt to people. So we become these kind of characters that people can fall in love with and that they can celebrate yet you cannot ignore the fact that i mean most of the time we're lgbt or we have something that's different about the way that we think about our gender or the way that we live our gender and what i love is that you have drag queens now in these positions where we're the strange weirdos if you like and we're teaching regular people a little bit of something about their lives and about how they should maybe be able to express their feelings Absolutely. more and feel confident in being whoever you are. And it's making that idea that everyone thinks there's this thing that's called normal. And actually, it, it's not real. Yeah. And all the normal that's being presented everywhere, it's just a presentation. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can mess that up and you can play with that. And maybe what we all need to do a little bit more is play a little bit more with what we think One of as thing normal. One thing that some, a few people have said is like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race, it's actually really funny. As if they expected <laughs> it not to be funny. It's as if they expected it just to be a group of weirdos. Yeah. And, well, what were you expecting? Well, they, like, I don't know. They expect it to not be for them. And it's the Ooh. same thing of, with, it, with, difference. with Drag SOS. People said, we didn't expect for it to get emotional. We didn't ex- 
expect to, we didn't expect to relate to you in an emotional way. And that's how I hear it. We didn't expect that you people who are so different to us would make us feel a feeling of empathy towards mm-hmm. you. That I could feel as well. Yeah. Because you look so different and I'm not that. But we break all that down. And that's the joy of like drag. Because we're doing all that beauty stuff, we're doing all that out there, look at me, spectacle stuff. Yet also, you know it's fake, you know we're taking it off. Mm. And in that moment where it's broken, whether it's broken through the removal of makeup or whether it's broken to a little wink to camera showing you that you know that you're, you're doing something and you're self-conscious about it. It's those moments that make all of it just dissipate away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, this moves on perfectly right now. Hollyoaks has obviously been doing a storyline where your character, Mim Mitchell, is now falling in love with a drag character that's, but he's your friend. It's very complicated. Yeah, yeah. tell us about it it's for very, anybody who doesn't very... know the storyline. So I play Mitchell Devereaux, who is a doctor and a part-time stripper. And so he's a showman as well as someone who's into um, being a doctor and all that in his career. But he falls in love with um, Anita Tinkle, which is a drag persona that has been um, kind of created by Ross Adams' character, Scott Drinkwell. But because he was raised so religiously and because he was raised with doctrine and all of that, he doesn't have any negative uh, association with gay people but he does feel a lot of um, pressure not to be gay Mm. and at the moment we don't know what he is he could be gay he could be bi he could be straight but I think that doesn't really matter with this storyline it's quite unique because we kind of remove the labels Mm. similar to what drag is all about no labels no restrictions no boxes and now um, it starts off as a friendship and now it's developing into something more deeper and um, it's early stages so I can't say a lot but it's unlike any other coming story you've ever known because it's not just about the LGBT experience it's about all of us there's a common thread that kind of runs through all of us and that's wanting to be seen for who we are and um, as much as Scott has had trouble finding his Anita Tinkle persona Mitchell has had trouble finding who he really is outside of who he's been told Mm. who he is so it's quite deep do you think that you're falling not you personally oh I mean obviously you are falling in love with the drag (laughs) character I'm sure today (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel that your character is falling in love with Scott or with Anita? Mm. And do you do you see them as separate? So cause I think for me, I don't see them as separate. But. I think he's falling in love not so much yet with Anita or Ross. I think he's falling in love with the feeling of emancipation, wanting to feel free, wanting to be who you are. And that's what he represents because I feel like they've made, the writers are quite smart on Hollyoaks and they've, um, they know quite a few things about writing and they've, they've discovered. They're writers. They're writers. They're writers. They're amazing. So this story, <laughs> they're amazing. So they started this storyline when I first came in. So they made him a stripper as a showman because Mitchell wants to escape and be who he, who he really is, which is really confident and, you know, um, outgoing. I think it's a really exciting way to explore how confusing all of this stuff can be. Mm. And especially around the idea of a performance persona, because a lot of people do fall in love with people there. And whether that be drag performers, whether that be... Pop an stars. A- an actor. Right. Do you know what I mean? They, Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. You do, you fall... Exactly. Yeah, you fell in Jack love with... Jack from Titanic. Absolutely. Still number one pin-up. Absolutely. <laughs> so we all have these kind of romances with 
the people that we think we're seeing Mm -hmm. and in the way that we present one another to to each other. And I think it's quite exciting to kind of try and look beyond gender. If he's got an idea of who he thinks he's attracted to, the idea of looking beyond and all he can see is that spectacle and being in love a little bit with the spectacle. I just think it's a really confusing and exciting Mm, storyline. I think the trouble you get into is whether we get into an issue around gender. So does he see Anita as a female does he see Anita as a male or does he see um, Anita as something that goes beyond that simple binary gender yeah Yeah, yeah. again I don't know if that's at the moment that matters I think you know we're as a society moving towards the light I think and that's no labels no restrictions no boxes but you said something twice and I love it I'm like I love that moving to, but that's what we should be moving to. I know but you just said something that I quite I, I felt quite profound which is it's confusing but when you think about it when we were eight years old and seven years old it wasn't confusing. We would like go into our box and put on my, we'd be Superman or a bunny or whatever. And we would just be that, you know, that character. And over time, it seems like adulthood has been like kind of disease in a sense, to the point where we've kind of like felt that we've got to be, oh, I'm Imran or I'm, you know, this person. I feel like that confusion needs to go. I think that's mm. what we need at the moment. And those ideals are often so bound up for all of us with gender mm-hmm. and with the idea of being a man or being a woman mm-hmm. and which might what makes it so difficult for people who feel more non-binary or who feel transgender because they don't have those gender ideals on, on that note then where if anywhere do you place yourself pronouns what pronouns do we use well, I prefer people to mix it up so um, if anybody calls me any pronoun with any consistency I get highly offended <laughs> you just like to keep people on their toes keep it on their toes <laughs> keep thinking about it use a she use a he but that that's that's for me because I like being playful being playful is at the core of how I see my gender I've been thinking more lately do I identify as non-binary yeah. and the trouble is outside of drag um, I don't think people would ever question my gender and because as a white male, it's never been particularly an issue for me yeah. of having the either to, to feel the need to either represent myself in a, a way that increases my power outside of drag. Mm. Um, as a gay man, it's probably been an issue to me. But there are all these, for me, it's quite confusing. Even as a person who's working in it, I'm like, well, all these different identity concepts. And the truth is, they all kind of blend into one another. Mm. Sometimes I don't feel like a male or a man, especially not when I'm in drag or I'm dressed as a unicorn. Mm. I like to think of myself as something that's especially in drag as something that's a little bit more playful and I think your drag is so out there as well it's not as simple as I know you have like your like pageantry type drags which is full on female glamour isn't it but yours you do like alien kind of looks like unworldly kind of looks you're saying I don't look female glamour (laughs) you've got all your flowers on your hair today I'm gonna go full on glamour today but your Instagram is so many there's so many different looks you do on there as well so I kind of think it must be hard to just go like oh today I'm a girl today I'm boy or whatever it is you could be anything you want like I never wanted to be a man or a woman I wanted to be an alien I wanted to be a god Mm. like Mm. I I love I love all forms of drag and I I really do enjoy I like old British cabaret drag like kind of camp crazy queens which we were talking about with Drag Race UK (coughs) yeah 
is there gonna is it gonna be a bit more campy do we think i hope so i mean you've got a bag of chips on there but like <laughs> but scott's character anita as a yeah. character for example like i love that style of drag that really kind of feminine like crazy like fun uh provocative kind of caricature i love that stuff it's just that was never what i wanted to show the world i'm like almost come on set your sights higher i get being a screen siren is fun but yeah. just go for a god yeah yeah, you know? yeah why not? That's it. Why not? That is it. Do what you want. I love mm. it. So you would not have any kind of label that you attach to yourself, would you say at present? Unicorn. Unicorn. Does it change moment to moment? Love that. Yes, that was mm. the other question. Why not? Yeah. Like, and I think it's important to be okay with being playful, but respect what people find comfortable. So if somebody tells you, my gender is female, I prefer a female pronoun, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make absolutely every effort, yeah. regardless of what things come in my head and the preconceptions I have. I'm going to make every effort to make sure that's what I'm going to try and do. Yeah. Um, but for me, equally, respect the fact that it isn't as important to me. In fact, actually, it's more important for me for it to be playful. Because I think, like you say, I hope one day to move into a world where none of those binaries and those labels and those classifications have meaning unless we want them to have meaning. Mm. And we listen to them as stories that we're telling to one another to, to help us understand one another's experience, right? That's why those labels should be there. Not because you should be told who you are or how you should dress or what you should be. Yeah. You know, it should be a way of me describing to you, this is an aspect of my experience mm -hmm. and it's important to me. Has there ever been a time when you have felt offended by how anyone's addressed you or labelled you up? It's never been a trouble for me. It's never been part of my experience. Mm. Um, and I think it, it, because my drag has never... I, I did used to do quite campy female drag, but my drag for such a long time has never been about that. And I've always embraced this idea of liking to be a bit provocative. I'm not sure I hold on to when people... Because it it, it's wrong for me to say that it doesn't happen mm -hmm. because... I get um, people who attempt to identify my gender when I'm in drag. And the classic one is when you're walking along the street and they go, that's a man, that is. Oh, my God. Mm. That's oh my a man, God. that is. Trophy, like, well done, yeah. And like, <laughs> <laughs> your reaction was that. And there was me trying to hide all this time. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, my, my, my reaction is, is normally, I'd normally just say, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Because they're, they're not expecting that kind of response yeah. because when people harass you they are aiming to hurt you mm -hmm. and normally that says something much more about them and the tragedy of their lives the yeah. need to hurt somebody for whatever reason the need to actually kind of not validate somebody or identify something that we thought might have been a secret yeah. it's just boring to it me really is, yeah. it doesn't hurt me anymore maybe maybe the truth is i've had that so much through my life around sexuality yep. um, and then later around gender that simply doesn't hurt me anymore. Well, if it happens frequently, do yeah. you start, start to build up those barriers so that you just, so, it becomes water for dogs about do what you want? You build up a way of using it in a mm. way that's productive. I think it makes me more angry when I see somebody who is misgendering a transgender person intentionally mm. or somebody who is um, calling somebody out for being bisexual or gay or whatever or somebody who is attempting to hurt somebody who isn't in the same position of strength that mm -hmm. I feel. And because those people have, have made a decision to choose and say, I am a, a man or I am a woman and then someone's trying to remove that 
from them yeah. feels particularly nasty. It's hard for them. Yeah. And that, that's the thing, that, like, as a human being, if you see another human that's finding something else hard, why would you try and make that hard for them? You pathetic person. Mm-hmm. That is a pathetic thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I always say, one of the things I really enjoy and what I think is really important about drag, if I can go out there, and a lot of the time, you've got to remember, I get a very positive reaction from most people. All throughout th- filming the show, we had a great reaction. All over, small towns all over the UK. People loved us. And what I I think is really amazing about drag and the special thing that it does if I can go out there and people can maybe not know whether I'm a man or a woman or maybe not really understand what I'm doing but still celebrate me mm-hmm. you know still maybe go oh that's fun that's cool that's mm-hmm. amazing how wonderful oh how interesting it's making me think if I can do that and be this out there and different maybe it makes it okay for somebody who's just trying to walk to the shops who feels a little bit different not as out there and different as I am but fears that people might look at them as if they're a little bit different yeah I've experienced that I had a friend who um, he was gay and his mum was really really homophobic but then every Friday night she would turn it on to Alan Carr and Graham Norton and at the time was a Paul O'Grady show and these are all out and proud gay men on TV and I asked her when I was little I was very confident and I was like you're homophobic (laughs) you just went there yeah I was like you're homophobic good for you and obviously most homophobic people get offended by the word Um, and she was like yeah but you know they're funny I like them they resonate with me and I feel like a lot of times drag they want to push the envelope and be provocative not to get a bad reaction but to feel that connection and I feel like when you do you kind of see that we're more alike than we are different that's it I think that's what drag is all about and that's it I always say that when I'm when I go out and drag you can't help but be connected to me whether you hate me or whether you love me you have seen me do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that starts a relationship. It starts a dialogue. I'd love to ask you the same question. Oh, God. Have you ever been offended by how somebody's related to your gender or your gender identity? Mm. Have you ever struggled with that? As a woman, um, I'm assuming you're a woman. I'm I sorry. am a woman, <laughs> yeah. I would say the only example would be that I've always been what you might call a tomboyish woman. So in terms of my gender, the only issues I've had has been around what's been an acceptable way to act as a a girl and what's not on to be a part of the boys, that kind of dynamic. But not so much that I have to worry about it on a daily basis. It's, it's, It's more been a, what is my, what is appropriate behavior? And the answer to that is my behavior has nothing to do with my bits. Mm doesn't have any any kind of connection I'd say yeah but what is that addiction to control when people want to tell you you should be wearing this you should be doing that why are people so addicted to wanting to control other people is it because they lack control in their own lives is it reflection I think it's fear that you're going to devalue something that they find valuable right Mm. so because it means a lot to them the idea of what makes me a man or what makes me a woman you know I I think people fear that they see somebody defying that convention that's linked to their bits Mm. Mm -hmm. you know because that's what we're told isn't it you know what I mean you've got that bit you're a boy you've got that bit you're a girl and if you see somebody who's got that bit going well actually this whole bunch of stuff that you've built up around the idea of being a boy or a girl isn't important to me and you've built your entire core of your identity around that you're like oh god well if that's not important to them then is it important to me mm-hmm. and I think people need to get past that idea of going just because their experience isn't my experience doesn't mean that your experience can't be what it is yeah I'm not trying to ruin anything 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not, I think, I think drag performers, people who are visibly different, trans people, they're not trying to force anybody to live their gender in any other way. Mm. We're just asking you to think about it, maybe. Yeah, equality. Yeah. Um, in terms of the popularity then of drag, obviously uh, drag races, like we've discussed, become a huge thing. I was saying earlier that there's a little bit of me that feels a little bit guilty as a straight female, that I'm kind of what's the word I enjoy this space that has been so much your space for such a long time is it is it am I justified in in saying that do you feel guilty yeah obviously it's such an important space for the gay community to have their space and to not have straight people come in and <laughs> get all up in it and now you're getting like everybody walking down the street giving it yas queen and I don't you how, have, how do you feel about it you have been suppressed by the patriarchy your entire life yeah <laughs> as a person yeah. as a person yeah. with a female like yeah. as a person with a as a person who has a vagina and has breasts and who presents female you have been suppressed and been told what you were supposed to do and how you are supposed to be mm-hmm. for your entire life men have as well in a different way mm-hmm. you know what I mean but women particularly mm-hmm. have for one oppressed group to deny another oppressed group a way to feel a little bit more free that's wrong Oh my god! This has just made all my guilt just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> I could cry. Good, <laughs> good. because Honestly, you made all that guilt I felt just good. Go. Because the sooner we get to that place where we can all embrace being playful, the better. So, what about for like everyone, a, a pride and things? Do you know, if you see like a big group of straight people at pride, are you just like get out, or are you just like no? Welcome. I think I think pride in general can be problematic in so many ways. <laughs> Pollution. Do you know what I mean? Like plastics. Like let's talk about the real stores. issue with pride. Quite frankly, I don't care whether you're gay, straight, bisexual, a man or a woman. Could you just stop buying lots of plastic rubbish? Thanks. That would be really great. This is going to be episode two. Right? Drag Come on. and environmental issues. Oh my! Oh, I can do them all, darling. I can do all the issues. I promise you. But I think guilt. That's what I think guilt. If you feel guilty, I feel like stopping us from moving forward especially the conversation and dialogue mm. I feel like women is the last group of people should, that should feel guilty for anything mm. just looking at you know the uh, trajectory of history and the you know evolution in terms of equality but I feel like if we stop feeling guilty and realise privilege creeps up in most people's lives to some extent mm-hmm. more than others I feel like we need to sp- less guilt and more coming together and realising that we're more the same than different I think that's what we kind of need to do right now I feel like you should be a new Prime Minister or something ah you just blown it you know the other thing the other thing I wanted to say to you about women and drag and Mm. I think this is a really important point to make a lot of people draw that tradition of drag to the idea that only uh, men were allowed to play women on stage Mm. in uh, Elizabethan England and, and they argue that at its core drag is about men dressing up as women that's just that's a lie mm-hmm. mm. it's, it's not true and the perpetuation of that idea of a drag tradition being men dressing up as women that is not a drag tradition that is a patriarchal tradition mm. the exclusion of women from the art of drag I'm very, that is patriarchal oppression I'm very interested because I have a friend who who is a girl and she yeah. and she does drag and I said to her how do people feel about it and she said hmm it's hit or miss. Some people, they, 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 they welcome it, they embrace it. And she said, some people do think that it is a space for men to be dressing up as women and that I'm kind of not welcome. Right. I'm like, wow, it's, it's interesting. It depends where she goes. It's the same, it's the same argument that 
kept women out of law, that kept women out of medicine, that kept women out of every single profession, that denied women the vote. This is something that men do. Mm-hmm. And this is something that men have always done. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's a lie. Mm-hmm. It's a patriarchal lie. So maybe we should ask the question of, well, why was it only men who were dressing up in those big theatrical costumes? And if we can even draw that it's a tradition, maybe it's something we need to address now. I always think... Who cares what drag was? Let's think about what we want drag to be. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever felt a responsibility to your community while you've been doing drag? I feel like part of my community. I feel like my drag emerged from being part of the LGBT community. But I don't think that the LGBT community are the only people who own drag. So you have to think of even if we trace drag back to the Victorian era, when the, the, the expression first started to be used for men dressing in elaborate theatrical dress, I won't say dressed as a woman, because actually that's not... Uh, drag is not that simple. Mm-hmm. But even if we, we trace it back then, the idea of the LGBT community didn't exist then. So actually drag's much more this kind of mm. peculiar theatrical community tradition. Mm. And I think I would, I would argue that you could trace drag back as being something else much more fundamental to community. The idea of I, I dress up, I make myself different in order to bring people together and to tell stories, to entertain people. And it just so happens that that's found a really particularly prominent place in the LGBT community and has been critically important in how we made ourselves visible Mm -hmm. through Stonewall, through the riots, through the Section 28 marches, by being able to boldly put on, and like it, it seems daft doesn't it to boldly say this we're different to other people we wear our difference on the outside Mm -hmm. and drag queens do that in all kinds of different ways with their kind of crazy club kid drag queens or traditional kind of diva-esque drag queens Mm -hmm. it may be almost a little bit ham-fisted that we're making a real a lot of the time we're doing those kind of gender play transitions Mm -hmm. right um but i think it's incredibly important that we continue to make visible the fact that we feel different from other people Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's exclusive Right. To LGBT So a lot of people would assume drag has been born out of gay culture, but you're actually saying I think that, that I it's think, the opposite way I, around. I think it's adopted it. I think that calling it drag maybe is something that's become very prominent mm. and been made prominent and been made popular and been made mainstream by the gay community. It's a gift from us. Mm. Thank you're, you. You're I welcome. Do Thank it. you. We do you're appreciate welcome. it. Welcome. But if you look at the tradition of dressing up in order to occupy that place within a community, there's all kinds of people who have been doing that all over the place. You know what I mean? And, and to de- varying different degrees. I always think that drag queens are a little bit like shamans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, you, you laugh, but I, I think it's like a real yeah, thing. No, like I... these kind of members of the community that are kind of outsiders, and that's the place we occupy within the gay community. We're kind of outsiders. We're, we're invited to the parties, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we're kind of seen as like a little bit elevated, special, strange, scary even. You know what I mean? And we do magic. We make things happen. We're able to provoke. We're able to say things that other people are not able to say, Mm -hmm. which is one of the lovely things that I've seen in the Hollyoaks story with Anita's character. Mm -hmm. She goes in and she says things to her community, which is mostly made up of of straight people. She goes in and she plays that role of going, this is a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you need to talk about this because we are able to do that in becoming a spectacle. We're able to make magic happen that you're not able to do when you're immersed in your regular everyday life as a community member yeah it's like alchemy isn't it yeah it's like alchemists turning like the lgbt have been through so much right history you know from harvey milk till now the trajectory
has been amazing but I feel like for me and with Ross as well we've when we found out about this storyline we wanted to do as much research as possible and for me I see drag people as kind of like the warrior ambassadors of the LGBT community I'll put like Barack Obama and drag people for the LGBT community around the world I think a big thank you has to go to you guys 100% did you just compare me personally to Barack Obama <laughs> me and Barack <laughs> Jeddah and Imran, thank you so much for joining us and not filtering your feelings. If you want more Don't Filter Feelings, you can search for the hashtag or check out Hollyoaks on your social feeds. And as always, if you've been affected by anything you've heard on this podcast or seen in Hollyoaks, there's help and support over at channel4.com slash support. We really hope you've enjoyed this podcast and it would be amazing if you leave us a rating and review the episode wherever it is you listen because more ratings and reviews means more people will hear about the podcast. So please do take a second to spread the word for us coming up in the next episode of don't filter feelings if you spot behavior you know that risky behavior when you go home and you're thinking oh i'm really worried about that person you need to ask them the question 